Hey guys, welcome to the Club 11 podcast. I'm here with Alex Wright from Detroit City FC. He's actually the co-owner of the club and co-founder. Um, and this one's a little bit different than some of the some of the discussions we've had before because uh, Detroit City FC has obviously been around for about 10 years at this point, uh, but they're in a different scenario than all the other people that we've talked to before. Uh, for Alex and Detroit City FC, the challenge now has been joining USL as an already established club. So we'll be talking about what that's been like, but also we'll obviously talk about uh, what it's like to run a club on the day to day and what it's like to start one from scratch. So I'm here with Alex to to go through some of these questions and, and figure out what it's been like for, for them to be joining USL this season. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, at least for this series, we've we've had the chance to talk to different teams that are just starting now in 2022. Uh, but I know you guys have been around for over a decade, I think, at this point. So can you tell me a little bit about how the team came about? Sure. Uh, Detroit City FC started, yeah, it's it's over a decade now. The first season we started was uh, in the MPSL in 2011. And um, it we started it, myself and four buddies, um, we had all come to know each other by playing in a recreational co-ed soccer league in Detroit for the previous couple summers. And, um, at the time until the, that co-ed league was established, there really wasn't anything in the city of Detroit that catered to young people who wanted to play co-ed soccer, which sounds amazing. It's, yeah, it's a pretty standard thing you'd expect in a in a big city but uh it just wasn't there and one of uh one of the guys who's still one of our one of my partners and one of the co-founders of the team Sean Mann he he founded the league and through the league the rest of us who helped found the team met each other so uh what happened was is the the coed league was so popular that uh, and we we were all soccer fans in one way or another. We we all loved the sport and appreciated its potential, and we all wanted to do something special in the city. A lot of our friends were doing special things in the city, um, so we we figured that if if we could tap into the few thousand folks that were playing in this co-ed league, if we could peel off a a few hundred of those, we could sustain a. Uh, MPSL team. So we spent a few months coming together and figuring out what the team would look like, the name and the brand, and just did some basic stuff to to figure out what it would take to to run a little team and uh, rolled out the club. We were hoping to get a few hundred people, a few thousand people showed up and we were sort of off to the races, whether we yeah. liked it or not. Uh-huh. What What was it actually like, I mean, to, to get the team off the ground? I mean, I think you mentioned you guys spent a few months getting everything together, but was it just the four of you guys working on putting everything together? It was. Um, the the buy-in to the league, I think, was less than 15 grand. So the five of us each chipped in a, a share of that. We each came to the club with a different set of skills and to the extent that each of us were able to, because we had day jobs, we would try to contribute 
to the club, you know, using our expertise. You know, my expertise was working in, at the time I was a television producer. Um, that was my expertise, writing and producing, um, like visual storytelling. So I would do my best to, to, to help how I can build out our creative and, um, our media stuff. Um, but yeah, in terms of the way it looked those first few years, we did everything. Um, we fertilized the pitch, you know, we, we sold and took tickets and not just, not just those of us that started the club, but our, our good friends and our family, because in most cases that's what it takes to start a grassroots club. And lucky for us, um, pretty quickly the supporters, you know, saw what we were doing and fell in love with it as well. So it didn't take long before, instead of a few close friends, we had a few thousand friends that also wanted to see the club succeed. Mm -hmm. And what were some of the initial challenges that you guys had maybe getting the club off the ground and also during those first few years? Yeah, there were plenty of challenges. Um, in that era, in, in 2010, 2011, 2012, in the state of Michigan, there was really just a team called the Michigan Bucks that was playing in PDL at the time. You know, a vastly successful um, team with a great history on the on the pitch. They they had won a lot of games. They'd punched well above their weight in the Open Cup, and they were sort of the known commodity for players that were taking their soccer future super seriously. But they didn't really have a holistic approach to promoting the game, promoting themselves, promoting their atmosphere, selling tickets. Um, And beyond that, there, other than the, the club soccer scene in Southeast Michigan, which is extremely strong, there was really no one else in the space that was doing any, you know, soccer team organization. Um, and it, they certainly, and, and the teams that were doing it certainly weren't doing it in a way that we thought was the end all be all. So the challenge for us at the time was how to, do soccer differently, how to build out a, a grassroots soccer team differently. And we knew it had to be affordable. Um, we knew a successful team had to be accessible. Of course, when you're starting an organization, you're sort of accessible by default because there's not really that many boundaries between you and your <laughs> yeah. su supporters and customers. But, um, but, The biggest obstacle, whether it was year one or, you know, year 12 in, in our community, in our market, has always been breaking through, changing people's behaviors, making them understand that it, you know, they could, they could like the idea of a soccer team in Detroit, but, you know, how do you get them, how do you win them over to the soccer team that is in Detroit? You know, for mm -hmm. a lot of folks, as we've grown um, that we've encountered that, you know, there were sort of sitting on the sidelines waiting for us to be something more or something different than we were. And as opposed to obsessing over each and every one of those criticisms, uh, which whether they had merit or not, um, we stayed true to our vision of building the team the way we thought it should be and the way we wanted it to be successful. And, did our best to promote and tell that story 
And, you know, whether <laughs> luck is a big part of it, but I also think that timing and the generational shift that, that we've seen over the past decade or so, um, where a lot of different folks are opening their eyes to the potential of the sport and also moving down back into cities and expecting different things out of, out of not only their, you know, leisure time, but their sports teams that they support, uh, we're sort of lucky enough to be closer to the beginning of that wave than the top of that wave, which I would say we're, we're fast approaching now. There are dozens of teams, um, on the lower level doing what we did 10 years ago and they're doing it now. And I think, I think that's a great thing for the sport of soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely been great to see the growth of the sport in this country. And obviously I think that's, that's due to teams like Detroit, for example, but what were some of those things that you were doing 10 years ago to kind of, like you said, at the beginning of the wave, what were some of those creative ways that you were trying to get people to fall in love with the team because i think in the end that's always the hardest part finding ways to bring in new fans um and new people to fall in love with the team and the sport yeah well the i i would say that our success i i um it wasn't completely founded on luck and timing but there is we we we're, we're fortunate in our region that we didn't really have to, you know, reinvent the wheel to build out our club. We simply had to be the club that wasn't there that we wanted there to be. You know, there's lots of other markets, I, I imagine, other cities, big, small, whatever, that have teams, and and maybe there's a large group of of people that want that team to be something else, to be something more, to be something less, to be something different. Um, we didn't have a team to react to. So we didn't have to come up with like massively innovative ideas. We just had to implement them. We had to exist. We had to come up with a vision um, and implement it. So much of our success in the first few years was really about doing, not about like blowing minds. Um, we were very design forward, but I think that was an expression of, you know, who we are as people and who our friends are as people and what we saw out in our community that was working. Um, I think we come from a generation that is extremely design focused as it is. So, um, we were happy to take advantage of the fact that the generation before us who had given up on soccer in the city hadn't really tried to be design oriented or, or like creative first. Um, we also really valued the power of supporter culture in the growth of soccer. Um, in our, in each of our own ways, we had some experience with um, soccer culture abroad and the way that it's different there than it is here. And we didn't necessarily think it had to be mm -hmm. different here. <laughs> um, so we tried to foster that. Um, Sean specifically did a great job reaching out to existing soccer groups you know just because Detroit just because there was no club in Detroit before DCFC doesn't mean there weren't soccer fans mm -hmm. soccer supporters people hungry for something different um, and Sean went out of his way to find those folks and meet with them um, mm -hmm. I think even more came afterwards but I don't think it should be underestimated that the whole um, grassroots outreach piece of this 
um, had to happen in order for us to succeed. So those were a few things. And then also weaving a pride for our community into the DNA of, of the club from day one. You know, that co-ed league that I mentioned uh, that we all met playing for, one of the premier events of that league is at the end of the year, there's a large tournament. Like every single team, yeah. they all play They all play each other like anything else. But the seating of that tournament is supposed to be set up by the um, standings up until that point. The seating was done based on your community service points. Every team was was wow. expected to do community service. You had to take, you had to go out as a team and do something, whether it was picking up trash or, or, um, or something, you know, whatever, far more complicated than mm-hmm. that. Um, you had to you had to take pictures of your team doing it, and uh, you had to submit those hours. And in order to get uh, fulfill that, whoever did the best job fulfilling that community service aspect of the league, they would get the top seed and the buys in the tournament. And it became a thing where like certain teams were as much if not more about the good work they could do in the community than they were about winning games, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the best approach when you're talking about co-ed beer league soccer. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's where, that's where we were coming from. You know, we are all, we're Detroiters. We still are. Um, our, 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 we live in a great city and our great city needs a lot of help. So it's important to us to reminding to be reminding folks with the pride that we have and where we're from, but also that there's ways to make it better every day. So we were pretty upfront about that too. Um, from the get go. I don't think that that was going on in the previous iterations of clubs, um, that were trying to make it in this community as well. So those are a few of the, of the tactics, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Yeah. That no, we I used. think that's, that's definitely a very creative way to kind of, uh, merge the sport with the community aspect of things you know having uh the teams go out and give something back to the community it's i've never heard of that before but that's definitely really cool and it seems like um that kind of planted the seed for um the fans to really get invested first in the league and then with the team later on um but now like 10 years after having started the team what prompted you guys to jump to USL, especially after being um, in NISA and NPSL before? Yeah, it's it's been a long and fairly winding road to get to where we are now um, through a number of leagues. And then with, even within those leagues, um, those leagues we were in uh, mm-hmm. tried to sort of metamorphose within themselves during the times we were there. Um, so... The, the, I would say that there is a number of reasons why we made the move to USL Championship, and I, I can uh, to USL in general because it's not mm-hmm. just a men's side move. But um, you know, I can name a few of them. The the top ones that come to mind, obviously, uh, from my point of view, the exposure um, is an incredible opportunity for a club like ours that needs to grow. Um, that needs to grow in order to, you know, we need to grow because, uh, there's so much good stuff that we want to do. We want to, we started a women's side a couple of years ago. We want to raise up the women's side. We want more of a presence in the youth space. We want to be building a club in the European or South American model that, you know, is a part of someone's life from the time that they're able to lace on boots until the time that they, you know, 
<laughs> right. <laughs> as long as they possibly can. Um, the, the, the way you do that is, you know, one of the ways you do that is be, you got to be seen doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. So exposure, consistency, the fact that the championship for the men's side is going to, every match is on ESPN plus we've already been on Deportes at least once. Um, we're extremely hopeful that, um, the ESPN plus opportunities will, you know, push into ESPN two or, you know, the Holy grail is sort of the main channel, uh, just because of the, the pure number of eyeballs that could experience your club, uh, on the women's side will be having a consistent home and away feed, um, uh, available and streaming on 11 sports. Um, that stuff is great. Um, especially on the men's side when in, for the most part, the matches are, uh, exclusively on Saturdays, sometimes they're on Wednesdays, but it cannot be, uh, overemphasized how important it is that your, that your fans and supporters have the ability to grow into a habit of like, Oh, it's Saturday evening to Detroit city Detroit city's playing. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, is Detroit city playing? It's is, is city at home or are they away? Right. You know, um, that's, how you, that's a big part of growing, you know, other, other aspects of the uh, of the growth have been the way that the USL offers ways for us to support and grow the women's side and the youth side. Um, the academy, we've sort of dipped our toes into the water uh, with the academy uh, team that we put on the field this summer, well, this spring really, because it was in March. Um, but we are looking forward to being major players in the USL academy move. Um, it's really nice to have the, um, to like have a strong infrastructure league, um, that we can work with, that we can bounce ideas off of, um, and that we can, you know, in turn share our insights to a larger group, you know, for a long time as we were growing, it did feel like we were on a bit of an Island. Mm -hmm. Um, we've had some great experiences with past leagues and we had some less great ones, um, but at the end of the day, it always felt like Detroit City FC was going to be as good as the guys in the room, the guys and gals in the room as we grew. Um, and now it feels like there's a little bit more support there. All things that I think a growing club has to have. If this is going to be the first paragraph of a novel about a club, yeah, uh, we're not going to be able to do it alone. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's obviously the, the decision to, to jump to USL is obviously big for all the reasons that you said. But what does it feel like to kind of remember where you guys started 10 years ago? It was just four of you. And now you guys are in, in USL and it's something that, that you've grown for over a decade. <laughs> I think one of the first stages in growing a successful organization is that um, if you stick at it long enough and you work hard enough, I think one of those milestones is you start to forget Mm-hmm. how hard it was when you started <laughs> you start to romanticize it and like reconstruct this this history and like me and the guys when we get together and talk specifically about how far we've come you know Todd or or Sean will bring something up that I had completely forgotten you know mm-hmm. um, an aspect of our like long history that well I I shouldn't put so much emphasis on long it's only been a decade but feels long, um, that I had completely forgotten. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so reflecting on something now, you know, I'm talking about a quarter of my lifetime, 
uh, I think everyone who started the club can say the same. Uh, you know, a quarter of our lifetime, the entire span of the lifetime of every single one of our kids, we've got between um, the four of us that are still active, there's um, eight kids and every single one of them was born after City. Um, so there's an incredible sense of pride in that, uh, in that accomplishment for sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, I think as the club grows, your responsibilities within the team also have to grow. Uh, as co-owner, what does your day-to-day -day look like in working for, for a team? The, there are days when it still sort of looks like it did 10 years ago where you find yourself needing to do whatever needs to get done. Um, it was really only, I don't know, two and a half years ago now that me and my dad were doing all the team's laundry. Mm -hmm. um, wow. You know, um, so sometimes, you know, we got to step up and, and do whatever needs to get done. Uh, other times, um, you're doing stuff that you're good at, that you're there for, which mm -hmm. is where we all want to be. But, um, when you're running a small business, I don't care what your product is. Um, you gotta get things done. <laughs> no yeah, matter what. You gotta wear different but, uh, hats. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, um, my day revolves around, um, overseeing and making sure I can have a positive impact as much as possible on all of the things that the club does that I would describe as outward facing, mm -hmm. you know, everything from media relations to PR, to production, creative services, social media, um, broadcast design, merchandising, um, media relations. There's a, there's a really wide swath of things that I try my best to stay on top of and support. Right. And, um, and we have a great group of folks, um, both in specific media services, but also across the organization that are just, you know, competent, experienced folks that are creative in their own right. So, so, you know, lucky me, I, most of my day looks like rolling in, checking my emails and just bouncing from conversation to conversation to make sure all the people that are much smarter than me are doing their, do their jobs and aware of when everything they're doing needs to be done. <laughs> yeah. um, there's only a few things that, um, that I have to be 100% responsible for when we come across a, a big project. I'll dive into that because I still do get a kick out of it. Right. Um, but a, a lot of times, like any other organization, as you grow, um, a lot of it is about delegating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, in terms of you mentioned you, you have to work with everything that's out facing for the club, you know, media relations and all that. How did you go about building those uh, relationships with, I guess, other media brands and stuff like that? Because I'm sure as the team was growing, that was something that you sort of had to build, right? Yeah. And, uh, I'm still not a hundred percent sure that, um, I've ever really done a very good job at it. I think, uh, this market's not doing it very, you know, this market's not doing much to make my life easy, but, uh, it's been a constant struggle since the day we started to be anything other than a human interest story in our market. Um, we've had to, we've had to earn every inch of uh, of uh, columns in in the local sports section, whereas sometimes it feels like we're granted front page articles for um, for some of the good work that we do in our community, which yeah. I'm not complaining for. But it's an interesting um, it's an interesting you know the sort of no manual 
for the version of uh, of how people like to tell the DCFC story, you know. So someone who were to come in and just be like really familiar with running comms for a sports team, I think would be a bit out of their out of their depth, just because so many of the conversations we have, um, it's almost as if they need to be reminded we're a sports team, and that's changing. Um, uh, when we brought in Trevor James and we made the move to pro. And uh, the guys started playing not only successful and winning football, but really high quality and well-respected football. Um, people started noticing in our community. We've always had really good um, luck telling our story to uh, journalists and organizations abroad. Uh, it's almost like the closer you get to our home field, the harder it's been to get people. But just even in the last few months, um, the last year, uh, we finally earned our spot um, through constant um, constant struggle to, to getting the attention of some really good young writers. I think that there's a lot of potential in the telling the DCFC story for young writers in town because they want to do good work. We've got great stories for them, and there are very few barriers between um, the two in order yeah. to make that happen. Um, and I think now that we've moved to the USL, that's another major benefit of the organization is I think those copy editors, you know, that, that older generation, whether it's print, TV, radio, um, that have just sort of been programmed to be skeptical of the sport of soccer because it's just never been a factor in this community. Um, what we're seeing is sort of, uh, (laughs) what we're seeing played out in newsrooms is similar to what, you know, DCFC had to kind of do to the soccer market 10 years ago is that just through hard work and engaging content, um, you know, eyeballs and feedback are driving interest in covering DCFC. So the young writers are, are, are loving it because who doesn't like it? You know, if you're, you're not writing to not be read, you know, you're a writer because you want, you want to be read. So people are reading it and, um, and that's what gets it. That's what gets gets it noticed by the the higher ups at these organizations. So, um, a lot of it has to do with that. Uh, there's not really like a flashy fireworks show that's going to get you coverage. Um, winning helps. Yeah. Having a compelling having a compelling story always helps, and having great branding helps. But those are just the things that you need to have teed up and ready uh, when they come when they come knocking with questions. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, you mentioned winning. You guys obviously had a huge win against Columbus. Uh, I'm sure that one is that that one was a firework type of situation where everyone notices you guys. How did it feel to to win against such a big opponent on on that stage? I I felt great for every one of those guys on the on the pitch and our staff. Um, I think that. What they pulled off was the most impressive thing. Um, what felt great was the fact that we had a near capacity crowd. Um, that because of the how difficult the last couple of years have been, we just haven't really been able to have a full house. And then we get to this season when the we can sell out to capacity and uh Michigan weather has been acting like Michigan weather on steroids for the past three months. Mm-hmm. And we just really haven't had very good weather, you know? So it's not an excuse. It's just tough to go to a game when it's cold and raining. Um, but the stars aligned that night. It was just warm enough, I think, to get casual folks 
fired up to go watch DCFC play an MLS team. There was no way the hardcore fans were going to miss that game. Right. Uh, the, the U.S. Cup, Open Cup games are legendary normally, and it was the first time we were going to play an MLS team. So there was a like a palpable excitement, both of like expectation, of fear, and like wonder of what what is what's going to happen. You know, from the folks that have been here for a decade and folks that had never been there before. And when you when you have that recipe in the mix before you kick off. Uh, you've kind of won the battle, but then when you give them a game, you know, when you, when you start surprising, you go down early, um, and then, you know, bit by bit, you prove to everyone there that you, that you does not only deserve to be there, but you're the better team. Um, everyone left that stadium fired up for the next match. Um, so we take a lot of pride in that too. But the credit begins and ends with Trevor James and the guys. They did so much. They did did a great job in that game. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's probably going to be one of those games where all the people that had never been to a to a game before just watch that and they're hooked. And it's obviously, I feel like those sort of moments in the end end up being historic for, for a young club. And then they bring in a, a whole new set of fans. But... Where do you see the club, for example, in, in five years? That's a good question. Um, in five years, um, you know, I would like to say this club is going to be around long enough that five years is going to seem like the blink of an eye looking back someday. You know, like I want this team to grow and like to, to grow like ge geologically, you know, like. I want this team to just be part of the Vernon, like be, be like part of the house. This has been around forever. And looking back from uh, five years time um, just feels like something that's always been there. So uh, five years from now, I hope we've solidified our further solidified our place as Detroit soccer team. Um, I'm optimistic and hopeful that we've figured out a way to not only sustain the, the championship side, but, um, Maybe we by then we've figured out a way to sustain a women's pro side. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's going to be a lot of questions that need to be asked and answered about that before we do it. And we have never, ever, um, we've always been quite conservative in our business decisions going forward. And I wouldn't expect that to change. Um, I hope we've, you know, five more years of our youth, youth affiliate and youth club development. Um, we could be looking at the first few signs of players that are showing enough promise to to be able to play on the first teams you know i think that's going to be one of you know when i when i look at the you know m my time in the club and who knows how long i'll be able to stick around but um i can't imagine a better feeling than the day that uh, a homegrown kid takes the pitch yeah um I think that's the whole, that's the whole thing. That's what this is all about because it's the one thing that we can offer that no other sport in this country can offer. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Detroit sports, but there's, there's not a chance that any of us could have grown up in a system and worn that team's uniform. And then maybe if we were good enough, like took the field for that same team. And we have this incredible opportunity to maybe make that happen. So the day that happens, I'm not sure if it'll be in five years, but 
maybe eight. I don't know. Uh Um, I think that would be something that I'd, that I'd like to see. Right. Beyond that, it's really just about staying sustainable and getting better every game. Yeah. And what about, I mean, you, you said, look at the team sort of in a geological age. What about like 15 years, for example? I mean, would there be plans to maybe go to another league, maybe like MLS, for example? Well, I mean, the good... If that were an I, opportunity. I, I guess, well, the good news and the bad news about the MLS question is that like, if we go MLS, it's got nothing to do with who you're talking to right now. Right, yeah. Um, that's a... <laughs> that's not a geological decision. That's an economic one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, we simply do not have the uh, financial wherewithal to make something like that happen. And if something like that were to happen, um, I don't know how, I, I don't even know how we would how fit we into that about. equation. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's tough to say. I, I wouldn't, I've always thought that that you know an MLS team was sort of destined for this market. I'm not 100% sure that I feel that way anymore. So that's saying something. Yeah. Um with how things have changed and how the leagues have changed and how DCFC has changed. Um I certainly think that as long as Detroit City FC is the club that it is, with the value and missions that it has, that it will succeed at every level. Yeah. No matter what level it is, it will succeed. So I'm less concerned about worrying about, you know, a, a division one move than I am about like winning this moment about excelling in this league. Yeah. Um, and then, and getting better every single year, the rest of that stuff, especially when you're talking about numbers with like, nine, 10 and 11 digits in them. Like, I mean, I'm a bad person to ask questions about things that happen in the billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it always feels like, I guess, in terms of becoming an MLS franchise, there's so many other factors that come into play. I mean, the league itself, I don't even know how they end up making those decisions, but um, it seems like for joining USL, it's more accessible for teams that I've really started from from a grassroots point. And I just wanted to go back to when you guys joined USL. Uh, what was the actual process like to join the league? And were there any barriers, any challenges that, that you guys had to go through at the time to to play for to play in USL? Yeah, the in terms of um in terms of barriers, you know, the really once we got our financial house in order and we um you know, made sure that we would be able to, you know, comply to the financial, you know, that, that we, we were able to check all those boxes financially to be allowed to play in the league and on that level. Um, everything beyond that was fairly smooth. Um, Detroit City FC is unique in that, you know, we are not uh, you know, the, the, the guys who founded the club, none of us have deep pockets. We've always, mm-hmm. um, t- leaned on our supporters when we've needed additional funding to, to do capital improvements, for example. Um, so we're coming at 
the the growth of the club from a different perspective and we're using we're coming from a completely different experience base of 10 years of basically growing a small business um so i i think that when the time came once we were able to check the boxes to be admitted into the champion usl championship um i think it actually put us in a much better position to be ready from day one than a team that was sort of starting top down with a with a large financial investment that sort of had to grow a team around it. Um, I think we were very well prepared. We had not only in the staffing area, but just sort of in the fan base area, folks, you know, we'd had 10 years of culture to build on. And I think that's incredibly valuable. Um, Having all that culture to build on and, and jumping into a league, it it made everything a lot smoother. I think that it may have uh, otherwise been. So the, the business stuff having been uh, accomplished, it, it's really been a pretty exciting ride uh, just going back and forth with learning how to, to play at this level, how to thrive on the pitch and off. Um, and for the most part, it's gone quite well. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's like you guys had 10 years to build that community, build that culture, and then it feels like taking that step to USL once the business was in order was just the logical next step. Uh, but for you, I mean, looking at the future, are there any personal goals that you would like to achieve within soccer in North America? Uh, you mean for DCFC or? Yeah, for DCFC or for you in the soccer space, is there anything that, that any goals lined up for the future or anything um, that you would like to achieve? Well, I think that um, what, what excites me personally about our club is that the potential we have to connect with so many different people that may have not known that they were sports fans or soccer fans. I think that's really exciting. And I think one way we do that is by bringing in clubs, international clubs. You know, we played St. Pauli in the past. We played FC United in Manchester. We played Glen Torin. Um, we've played a couple of league MX sides. We've played, a couple of Italian sides and it's just been a phenomenal celebration of the sport and also a way to reconnect and expand and, and introduce our club to different like sections of our community that maybe just didn't know what we were all about. Um, that's super exciting. Um, we brought in TJ Winfrey uh, as our chief of partnerships over the last couple of years and he has done a phenomenal job um, helping us do something I think we've always wanted to do, but just n- didn't really have the wherewithal. And that's how to, how to truly live our values when it comes to growing the game within the city. Um, we did some great stuff with the black star initiative last year. And um, basically what that is, is about promoting the sport of soccer in the African American community um, specifically. And we've got a long way to go when it comes to that in the city of Detroit in terms of building the sport among the youth. Um, I think that's sort of the way you, you build the sport uh, and spread the sport into the adults, right? It's like, you know, the kids fall in love with the game and they kind of teach it to their folks. Right. That's how I was. And that's how I was when I was little, I taught my dad um, everything he knew about sports. Um, So it's been extremely exciting to be doing, that sort of work. I would love to be able to look back and say that we were part of a, um, 
of a sea change in the city of Detroit when it comes to like youth sports interests, because I think uh, the sport of soccer has a ton of potential in a community like ours. Um, you know, there's low, there's low financial barriers to playing the game. Um, we've got a fair amount of space. Um, and, and we've got, you know, it's a, it's a sports town, you know, so there's a lot of potential there. That's really exciting. And, you know, also personally, I'm extremely interested in, you know, what, you know, the future holds for just sports in general, sports fandom, sports teams, sports business. Um, I'm interested in, in, in seeing how the things that small disruptive clubs like Detroit City FC that are doing in the sports space, like how, what we are doing is changing the way all sports are going to be played in the next mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30 years. You know, the things that we've already talked about, things like, you know, not worrying about being like something for everyone, but being specifically about supporting your community, about supporting your supporters, about creating a relationship, about being something specific, standing for something specific for the people that support you. Um, I think that there's so many different options out there when it comes to sports that I think people are starting to look for something more out of their teams. I'm not, quite sure yet how that's all going to play out. But I know that that's one of the secrets of our success is that um, we don't try to be this sort of like bland, generic club. Um, We're very comfortable in our, in our own shoes with our own values. And um, I think we're proving with our growth that you don't have to shy away from conversations that might seem to transcend the sport itself um, at the risk of losing audience or your mm-hmm. business suffering. As a matter of fact, I think that sort of authenticity, and I'm not talking about, you know, convincing people about a specific argument. I'm just talking about um, creating a space where people can feel comfortable being who they are and then all agree that they really want to kick the butt of the team that their team is playing. Yeah. Um, you know, we're less concerned about granule, like political arguments as we are. It's just about, you know, let's all recognize each other it's like if all human beings that want to kick the crap out of the team we're playing. Um, I think that that's something that I think the younger generation of sports fans is, is really interested in. So those are sort of my personal mm-hmm. specific interests that, that are really sort of parallel to the growth of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just have this really privileged platform to kind of mind the way those, those larger issues are, are, are evolving. Mm-hmm. And just to close, I mean, you've you've been doing this for for ten years. Uh, you were there at the beginning of founding a new club, and you mentioned that there's teams now that are starting up that are sort of doing what you were doing ten years ago. Um, is there any specific advice that you would give to maybe a group of friends that was thinking about starting a club like you guys did, for example? Uh, what would you tell them? Yeah, well, I would I would remind them that chances are they will never find chances are their community does not offer the kind of like fortunate ground that the guys who started Detroit city FC had. There's not many major markets in the country that just didn't have a soccer team. Right. So I would, I would get over the fact that there's already someone in the space that someone's already tried to do this and just, you know, look at it as, you know, what, 
what's missing and is what's missing something that I'm interested in building? Um, don't underestimate the power of your community, the power of the people in your community that love the game and don't underestimate the power of your, the, of the stories that you know about your game, that you know about your city, that you know about your community. Um, and, and that somewhere in there are going to be the secrets to your success. And it's much better to succeed or fail when you make your decisions based on those criteria than if you're just like trying to chase after filling a market need that, you know, might be there because someone is recruiting you to, to solve it. You know, um, people can tell if something is authentic. Um, it's, it's, one of the superpowers I think of the American culture, whether that's valuable or not. Um, we're very good at like knowing if something's bullshit or not. So I, I would say that like, if you're going to work this hard on starting a team, you should probably make it authentic and interesting. Mm-hmm. Make it the team you make it the team you wish existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and do some research before you pick a crest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think those are my two. That's my that's my big one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I I think that's that's great advice for for anybody thinking about it. I think there's probably so many people around the country that have always had that dream of of starting a club, and I mean, you've you were able to do that, you know, all those years ago, and now you're obviously seeing the club in USL and, you know, making history now. So uh, thank you for, for taking the time to, to just chat about your entire experience with the club. And honestly, I, I love hearing the story. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, give yourself the grace to make mistakes, right? I appreciate you giving us like reaching out and um, giving me the chance to talk about it, but I'd hate for anyone listening to this to think that this is anything but like a a very possible thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, We make a, we make a healthy amount of mistakes on a weekly basis, but you have to give yourself the grace to like, you're doing your best. Um, Some days you win, some days you lose. It's very similar to like having an athlete's mentality. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd hate for anyone to get the idea that, uh, you know, uh, we've got all the answers as well, but I appreciate you asking for asking lots of questions about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you very much. Yeah. You bet. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Bye.